look at? Because you know there's power in the word. That is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures where Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let's pray before we start right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this awesome day. Father, thank you that you're blessing the two services we're having. Thank you you blessed our worship time. The walls came tumbling down during our time of worship because you have delivered set free. We pray, Father, that anyone came in here today not knowing Jesus is Lord and Savior, that they would leave safe, Father. That's the most important thing that could happen today. And we thank you for the one soul this morning that gave their heart to Jesus. Father, we thank you if anyone came in here sick in their body, depressed, oppressed, feeling empty or lonely, that they would leave with their total healing. If anyone came here struggling financially through that offering, Father, you will bring us suddenly into their life a, a powerful blessing, a miraculous blessing to meet every need they have. Father, speak through me today. Help your people, Lord, to get a rhema word just for them, we pray. I pray that some today would get baptized with the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we just had Easter, right? And you know, some people, Easter was their last Sunday that they were going to go to church this year until Christmas. But I'm here to tell you that Easter is not an end. It's a beginning. Easter is a beginning. Jesus didn't rise from the dead and for it to be over. <laughs> what was over? What was over? The law was over. Now we have grace through Jesus Christ. We're totally forgiven if we put our faith and trust in him. See, Paul said, listen, I want to know him, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. Whenever I say power, I say power. Can you say that with me? Can you say power? power. No, you got to say it like you're mad. You really do. Like power. Power is not a weak word. Power is a powerful word. And from now till Pentecost, we're going to be talking about God's power. Because you know what? Paul, who performed many miracles, who wrote most of the New Testament, still said, I want to know him more, and I want to know that power of his resurrection more. Because there's never enough. I don't know about you, but there's never enough for me. You know, a long time ago, I decided that I wasn't going to come to church if there wasn't any power in what it was. Because anybody could play church. Anybody could play church games. Anybody can act like they love God. But to me, God was something more than that. For somebody who was a drug addict ready to take his own life, picking up the Bible and reading the book of John and having the words literally jump off the page and take my heart, I knew that there was more. And just going to church and singing a song. I knew that there was a supernatural, unearthly power that he had. And I want more, and I want more, and I want to know it more, and I want to experience it more, and I want to release it more. See, let me tell you something. There's people that are trying to find themselves, you know. They go off to mountain retreats. They go to Colorado or something, you know. Or they go to North Carolina. Or they go somewhere and they climb up to some mountaintop so they can find themselves. I'm just, 
this is, uh, come to church with me. Now, I got to find myself first. Look in the mirror. There you are. You don't got to find nothing. But that I could find more of him and more of his power. Now, that would be something. Paul wasn't trying to find himself. He was losing himself to find him. If you're not living a powerful Christian life, then you're not living. Same for me. And there's times where I need a defibrillator. It's like, wake up, Pastor Joe. Knowing Jesus means knowing the power of his resurrection. The new life that is imparted in us now. I don't need power for when I die and go to heaven. I need power to live this life. So many of us are living this life with no power. And every little thing that comes just knocks us down. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. By the end, by the time we get to Pentecost, this roof's going to come. Because there's going to be a power in here that's going to shake this place. Yeah, I'm not in this. Oh, church was nice today. If there isn't a supernatural power, then why waste our time here? 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but a demonstration of the spirit and power. Almost every time you see the word power, you'll see the spirit with it because they are the power twins. (laughs) That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I don't know about you, but I try to put my faith in men. The first ones to let me down were my parents. I grew up basically without parents. (laughs) And then stopped trusting people. And then when I met Jesus, I decided there's one person I'll trust. That's him. If there's anybody that would give his life for me, I can trust him. And then I read him say, I don't, he said Jesus' words, I don't trust men. And then I realized, okay. Does that mean you can't trust someone? No. But your ultimate faith isn't in people and their wisdom. It's in him and his power. That's why I want more of him and I want more of his power. Like Paul. Of all people, Paul, you're asking for more power? Your handkerchiefs are healing people. Imagine that. Imagine I had a little pocket square and I gave it to my wife and she passed it around, you know, at the hair salon and everybody that touched it got healed. That was Paul. Yet he said... I want more. I want to know more. I want to experience more. I want to be more. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, the kingdom of God is not just talking. There's a whole bunch of Christians just talking. And I realize there's time for that. There's time to discuss theology. There's time to translate Bible verses. But I don't know about you, but I'm more interested in the power of God. I'm more interested in living by God's power in my life because if I'm not living with his power, I'm not living. There are plenty of Christians walking around doing a lot of talking, 
by not doing a lot of praying, not doing a lot of ministering, not releasing God's miraculous power in their lives. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. If Paul needs more, so do we. Unless your shirt has healed somebody lately. Easter was not an end. It was a beginning. Now let's look at the text we're going to look at today. I'm not mad. Matthew 27. Matthew 27. And the Holy Spirit brought me to these scriptures because the Holy Spirit can bring you wherever he wants to. And when he brought me to the scriptures, my first thought was, can I have some other scriptures? <laughs> he said, no. This is the scripture I want you to, to talk to my people about. So when the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, you do it. Holy Spirit told me to start a church. I started a church. Holy Spirit told me to marry her. Married her. It's all good. Holy Spirit didn't tell me I was going to have six kids. After number four, when number five came, Holy Spirit didn't say she's going to tell you there's twins in there, in them there hills. I never forget that day when I came home from work and, you know, she was pregnant already and we were just wondering, you know, uh, you know how everything's going. She went to get the sonogram and she sat down at the table and just looked at me. She goes, it's twins. And I said, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. No. I, she couldn't convince me for a long time. I did not believe it. And you know why? I didn't want to believe it. Let's look at Matthew 27, verse 50. It says, and Jesus cried again, out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, or in others' translations, gave up the ghost. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God. We're talking about God's power here. And in these verses, I'm going to show you three aspects of God's power. But I'm here to tell you that, you know, as I was preparing this message, my wife would tell you, I was, when it, when it comes to power, like the word, I just, I shake, like I'm like Kramer from Seinfeld. Power. You know what I mean? I was going to have everybody stand up and, and, and wipe their feet on the carpet and touch the person next to you and say, power. But I was afraid of what might happen. But, um, you know, power, I, I could talk about it for 20 weeks. <laughs> God's power. And we will talk about it. We'll talk about it until the power is so strong in here that we don't have to turn on the AC or the heat. That's real power. But it says in Matthew 27, 50, and I want you to see the first point is this. We have access to this power. Say, I have access. Then the first thing is we have access to this power. Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when you watch a movie and they show you that the, the veil of the temple getting, you know, Rent, did you ever see a movie, like one of these movies where they show the veil? It, it look, usually looks like a sheet or something, you know, little sheet rips, you know. And that's not what the veil was. The veil to the temple. Now, if you've ever been to Jerusalem like we have, when they do stuff with temples and stuff, the doors aren't like little doors you open. These are doors that like 50 people have to open and close. This veil was, ladies and gentlemen, it was 60 feet high. 
If you're wondering what 60 feet high is, this building is close to 30 feet high. So double that. Okay, look up here. Not, not this little cloud thing here. You call that a cloud. But uh, the black part, that's almost 30 feet high. So double that. Okay? 20 to 30 feet wide, maybe from the keys to the lead guitar. Four inches thick. You know four inches? Four inches. Like a two by four thick. Wow. This was a little sheet or towel that just went. <laughs> this was a massive thing that only a miraculous power could split in two. If you read about how they made the veil, they sewed that thing so tight, forget it. The only thing that could split that would be the power of God, and that is what split it. Hebrews 9, 6 says, now when these things have been prepared, and it's interesting because the only place you find the story is in Matthew, and Matthew is the gospel to the Jews, okay? So in here in Hebrews it says, which is Hebrews to the Jews, Hebrews 9, 6, now when these things have thus been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. So outside of the veil, the priests, more than one, always went to perform their services, okay? Doing things. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. The high priest went alone on the Day of Atonement once a year, and he always had to bring blood in with him. And it's been written by historians that when the high priest would go in, that they would tie a rope to him. This way, if he went into the Holy of Holies, because no one else was allowed in there, because that's where God's presence was, above the Ark of the Covenant, anybody else would die instantly. But if he went in there and made a mistake and died, so other people wouldn't have to die, they would pull him out by the rope. Imagine that. Imagine we tied a rope to Pastor Kevin. You play one bad note, and we're pulling you. <laughs> That's really what it was, though. And he offered for himself and for the people's sins. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was still standing. So the Holy Spirit guided this. The Holy Spirit told them, that you can't go in there as long as we have to perform out here, you cannot go in there. Because performance doesn't get you in there, only the blood. Performance doesn't get you in there, only the blood. Then Hebrews 10, 17 says this. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. This is God talking. Now where there is remission of these, and now it's the writer, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. In other words, once the sins are totally forgiven, we don't need a high priest to go in there anymore. You see that now? <laughs> there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. When Jesus his flesh was torn. When he died on the cross, his blood went to the mercy seat behind the veil for our sins forever and ever and ever and ever. 
He became the high priest once and for all. We are forgiven. Amen. And God tore the temple and tore the veil so people could see into the Holy of Holies, and they lived. Why? Because it was done. It was done. It is finished, is what Jesus said. We have a new and living way. And since we have that, Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We can come boldly in now ourselves because of our high priest, Jesus. And there's no temple anymore. There's no veil. There's no sacrifices anymore. We can go right to God when we need him. How many of you have there times when you need God? Can I tell you something? You have access. Can I tell you something better? You have unlimited access. I belong to a, a club called the Unlimited Vacation Club. <laughs> I joined this club early on. How many of you here bought a timeshare in your life? How many of you wish you never did? Keep your hand up. <laughs> anyway, I bought into this club. You know, if you, if, if you know me, I'm half Jewish, so I'm half Jewish, half Italian. When somebody's trying to sell me something, the Italian side, I want to beat them up, and the Jewish side, I want to bargain with them. So, so my wife was in, remember, hon? I, I'm getting really mad, but at the same time, I want to get a deal. So the guy's trying to sell me, <laughs> I'm being honest with you. It's okay. The shoe fits, wear it, Pastor Joe. Anyway, I'm sitting there, this guy's trying to sell me something. I go, Alicia, this guy, and, it's, and I'm about to, oh, mamma mia. But you know what, honey? I think I can get some more out of him. So I, he's trying to sell me this vacation club, and I kept saying no, 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 no to everything he said. He would keep going back in the room, right, hun? And he would come back out and offer me more, and I would go, no. No. Go in there and make something happen. When you go to buy a car at a dealership, when they go in that room, they're not saying anything. Tell them to go back in that room. Tell them not to come back out so they tell you what you want to hear or walk out of there. And that's what I do. You can ask my wife. I'm like, here's what I want, okay? I'm going to leave in five minutes. If you don't give me what I want, I'm out of here. And nine times out of ten, they say yes. Recently, somebody said no, but then the day later, they found us and said, okay, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Anyway, this guy gave me all this stuff. And uh, it basically paid for my whole thing. But what happened, with the, the number one thing that he gave me that I really enjoyed was I had unlimited access to this club. Like I can go, oh, every week I can go on vacation. Every day of the year I have unlimited access. People right now are paying six times what I paid for, and they only get eight weeks a year. You know what's nice? Unlimited access. So when my wife says, you better push a button. You know what that means? She wants to go on vacation. Like, I can't take it anymore. You better push a button. So I could go on my computer, find a really cheap vacation, and push a button and make her happy. Because I got unlimited access. We have unlimited access to this power. Unlimited. Unlimited. Say, I have unlimited access. We should all have a card. A little black card with Grace Church on it. Unlimited access to God's power. Unlimited. 
In Matthew 27, 50, Jesus, when he cried with a loud voice, yielded up his ghosts or yielded up the Holy Spirit. He gave up the ghost so we could have the ghost. And with the ghost is unlimited access to his power. Because the power is the power of the spirit. Amen? We know the power is the power of the spirit. Let me tell you something about power. I traded energy. That was I traded crude oil. I traded natural gas. I traded unleaded gas. I traded heating oil. I traded electricity. That was my life on Wall Street. I traded power. I didn't trade stocks and bonds. I traded power. And power is a really cool thing. It's a really cool thing. And, you know, basically the world is in a race to find the cheapest and most efficient power. Because when you have that, you have everything. I mean, imagine if you go from one place to another, it costs nothing, and it happens instantaneously. Unfortunately, that's not where we are right now. That's where we'll be in heaven, though. We'll be moving at the speed of light. I'd be like, hey, Pastor Kev, how you doing? Boop. Next thing I'd be like, what a, my wife, honey, where you going? And she'd be like, Boop. I'd be like, come back, where'd you go? I know there's no marriage in heaven, but still be my friends. Anyway. <laughs> I always say, when we go to heaven, are you going to fly, fly, fly away? Fly, fly, fly. Why are your wings bigger than mine? <laughs> come back. Anyway, here's the problem. Here's the real problem with power. Here's the real problem. Because there are places to produce it cheap. In, in Cushing, Oklahoma, you know, in New Jersey and Oklahoma and Texas, gas is real cheap. Why? Because there's refineries right there. Okay? Because power gets lost in transmission. That's where power gets lost. I was telling the first service, and, and we have our church picnic, and we had the cotton candy machine. This thing needed a lot of power. So we ran up. 150-foot extension cord. And it just kept tripping every five minutes. And, and Robert, our, our resident electrician, said, that's because of the transmission. It's too long a run. Listen, we have access to this power. Don't let the power get lost in the transmission. You've heard lost in the translation. Don't let the power get lost in the transmission. And how does it get lost in the transmission? Well, we don't feel that we deserve it. But we don't realize it's right there. It's unlimited, and it's all for us. Jesus died that we could have this power. I want to point out three things that happened because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is just, we'll be getting to this stuff into the future. But I want you to understand, as whether you're born again or not, and whether you're baptized in the Spirit or not, I want you to see the process of what happens when we get born again because of the death and because of the power that came down. First is, when, when we become a Christian, it's because we're born again of the Spirit. Jesus said you must be born again from above by the Spirit. Okay, how many of you are born again by the Spirit? You put your faith and trust in, in God, and, and the Spirit came into you, and you were born as a new person. How many of you, since you got saved, are you new? You're different. You're fresh and exciting. Amen. Something new happened to you. You were changed. You were born again. Okay? That's what Jesus said. Then we know in John chapter 20, verse 22, after he rose from the dead, he went to his disciples, and it said he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some people might say, well, that was just Jesus showing what's going to happen at Pentecost. 
I do not agree. If Jesus says, I'm breathing on you, receive the Holy Spirit, guess what? When he breathes on you, you're receiving the Holy Spirit. We know that God breathed his spirit, his spirit into Adam. Jesus was now breathing his spirit into those that had put their faith and trust in him. That is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside of you to reside? Amen? But Jesus wasn't done with them. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says this. Behold, this was after he breathed his spirit into them. He said, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Everybody say, upon but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, I love that word, until you are endued with power from on high. You know what that word endued means in the Greek? Clothed. So you're reborn by the Spirit, you're indwelt by the Spirit, finally you need to be clothed or baptized or have the Spirit come up on you. And that's where the dose of his power is. <laughs> he said, my power will come upon you when you do that. Do you know how much of this power you can have? As much as you want. It is unlimited. It says Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. Do you know you have the same thing? You have the Holy Spirit without measure. Say, I have unlimited access. That's number one. Number two, it is a power that shakes and a power that breaks. Everybody go, it's a power that shakes and it's a power that breaks. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking about real power. I'm not mad. Can, can you say it with me? Can you say power? It should be like somebody, you just put your fingers in the socket. Power! Like Kramer from Seinfeld. Power! That's how you should think of this, because it's an earth-shaking, rock-breaking power. It's something supernatural. It's something that can't be stopped. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. In the Greek, it's called dunamis. One of my favorite words. Every time I come across, I'm studying, I come across dunamis, I want to stop right there. Forget what message I was preaching. I want to preach on dunamis. Why? Because it's where the word dynamite comes from. But dynamite doesn't even begin to describe dunamis. In the Greek, it means miraculous power, energy, power through God's ability. It's not our ability, people. It's his. But it's in us and on us. But it's his. Wait, wait, wait. Pastor Joe, you're telling me <laughs> that living inside of me is God's ability? God's miraculous power? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You mean, Pastor Joe, you're telling me that God's miraculous power and ability, if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, is on me? I, I, I'm clothed in it? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And it's more than a stick of dynamite, trust me. 
Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of grace, for it is the power of God, it's the dunamis of God, to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I'm not ashamed to say, I'm not ashamed to say that the good news is what? The good news is we have unlimited access to God's power. That's what the good news is. The gospel means, it's two words, E-U, which means well-off, prosperous, good, great, good for you. And then agalizo, which means message or news. So I'm not ashamed to tell you the good news. You have unlimited access to the miraculous power of God. Anybody want it? Anybody? I'm not ashamed. And you know what? It's for the salvation, which means the safety, the healing, the being born again, the ability to have the spirit in you and on you. (laughs) For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Well, look what happened. When that veil was rent, it was at 3 in the afternoon, the ninth hour, the priests were there getting ready to do something. It was a special day that day. It was the Passover. So there was a lot of priests there. And they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, they see a 60-foot veil, four inches thick, 30 feet wide, split in two. Do you think it might have affected them a bit? The veil that they know if you get behind it, you die. And now it's split. They probably moved away like, I can't look in there. Afraid to die. Acts 6 verse 7 says this in the early church, that many of the priests got saved. A great many of the priests. Why? Because they saw this. They were like, oh my gosh. So it's first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Well, what Gentiles got saved? Well, the centurion and his friends who were right there, if we go back to Matthew 27, we see that they believed because of what they saw. It says the centurion believed and said, truly, this had to be. This was the Son of God. And this power is not a stick of dynamite. It's not even a nuclear weapon. It's greater than that. Because do you know that even nuclear weapons have limits? There is no limit to the power of God. With God, all, everybody say all. All all things are possible. There's nothing, say nothing, that he can't do. You know, it's, you got to be careful when you use the words everything and nothing and anything. You got to be careful. <laughs> you know? I'll always be nice to you, honey. I just messed up right there. But God's love never fails. And his power is never stopped. It's never bested. There's nothing that's impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. And he can do anything. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is power. That is power. 
and it is released by faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. Tell me this one thing. Paul said he's asking a question, and I'm asking it to you. Did you receive God's spirit by doing what the law requires or by hearing the gospel and believing it? How can you be so foolish? You began by God's spirit. Do you now want to finish by your own power? Did all your experience mean nothing at all? Surely it meant something. Let me just think about that for a second. Surely you know that when you got born again, something miraculous happened. How many of you know that? It was 2 in the morning. I hadn't slept in four days, coked out, drugged out, ready to take my own life. I saw a Bible my brother had given to me. I went to it. I picked it up. He said, read the book of John. A few chapters in, and I'm crying. I'm like, who is this guy, Jesus? I had never read a Bible in my life. But the miraculous, dunamis, unstoppable, can-do-anything power of God literally jumped off the pages of that Bible, grabbed my heart, and said, you're mine. My wife went to her aunt's house, the Jesus freak that was always bothering her. You know, when my wife used to talk about God at that time, she didn't want to hear nothing. She would tell me, shut up. You know, I was just talking. I didn't really know. She spent a couple days with them. She had to read her niece and nephew the gospel story. She was through it, and then she said to her aunt and uncle, what is this whole Jesus Moses thing? What do you think happened? Within two hours, she had given her heart to the Lord. I was home in my apartment. She called me up. I picked up the phone, and I was like, who is this? I didn't even recognize her voice because she was so miraculously changed. She was changed instantly. It's taken me about 28 years. I'm still, every once in a while, when I give the altar call, no one's looking, I raise my hand just to make sure. Okay? We're all a work in progress, but how many of you, it, it took a little while. How many of you got saved like more than 10 times? That's me. I got saved at least 10 times. How many of you was it once and that was it? You were done. Miraculous. Amen. Amen. Miraculous power. Change you overnight. You're not cursing anymore. You're not smoking anymore. You're not doing these things that harm yourself anymore miraculously overnight. Now that's power. You know why? <laughs> I'm just going to pick on smokers for a second. <laughs> if I told some smoker, listen, either you can't have a cigarette for a week or here's a rock over here. Take this pick and you got to break it. They're going to start hitting that rock. They're going <clears> to <throat> they're gonna try to break a rock before they quit because you need real miraculous power, don't you? For addiction, don't you? I mean, there's certain things. You need miraculous power. But this miraculous power did break rocks, didn't it? Amen? So, did all that experience mean nothing to you? Surely it meant something. Does God give you the spirit and, spirit and work dunamis? Everybody say dunamis. I just wanted to hear you say it. Because I love that word. Did he give you the spirit and work miracles, dunamis among you, because you do what the law requires or because you heard the gospel and believed it? Why did he? Why? Was it because you did something or because you heard something? 
It's because you heard something. We heard something, and God did miracles. Amen? People have gotten a word from somebody and been healed in their body. It's because they heard something. As a matter of fact, in July 23rd, 2000, I heard something. Start a church in North Brunswick, and here we are. You want to talk about miracles? That's a miracle. That's God. Only he could do that. So it is released by faith. Hearing the good news and believing it. Do you believe you're saved? Do you believe you can be healed? you believe you can be provided for? Do you believe God can save your marriage? Do you believe God can save your kids? I think that's even harder. Do you believe that despite your present circumstances, God can deliver you from them? Do you believe that? That's how you access his power. Or are you like the people that Paul wrote a letter to young pastor Timothy? And he said, Timothy, in the end times, there's going to be people that act religious, but they deny the dunamis. 2 Timothy 3.5. They look religious. They go to Sunday school, and they fix things, and they show up on time, and they pray, and they do this and that, and they look great on the outside. They look like Christians. You come to church, you see them, and, they, and Jesus said, you know what they're like? They're like whitewashed tombs, but on the inside are dead men's bones. Many of us sometimes we act the part, but we forget the power. It's not a stick of dynamite. It's much more. It's more than a nuclear weapon. It's the power of God. And it's in us and it's on us. Amen. You know, Ephesians 5.18, this is what the Lord gave me earlier today when we were talking about the first service. It talks about not being drunk on wine. How many of you have been drunk before? Even Pastor Kevin and Vera too? It's not recently, right? I'm just checking. Josh, did you raise your hand? Myself. <laughs> Have you been drunk recently? Don't raise your hand. Paul said that leads to something called dissipation. And what he meant was it, it's a waste. I mean, how many times do you look back and say, boy, that day I was drunk. Boy, I was really, what would you do? I don't even know. <laughs> I was drunk. <laughs> Have you ever done something great when you were drunk? I met a pastor once, and he said, yeah, once I had a couple drinks, and I preached. I go, really? You know, I was in the congregation that day. And I said, to, I said has he been drinking? <laughs> but the point is, it's dissipation. It it's, he said, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, the way you do that is singing psalms, hymns spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts. How many of you know that when we're singing, you won't relent until you have it? Can you feel that power start to well up in you? Come on, let me see. Come on. 
Let that worship team know how important that is. Oh, man. Because you start making your own melody in your heart. You write your own song to the Lord. You're making melody in your heart to him. That's what causes you to be more filled with the spirit. That's why I don't understand anybody that misses worship. To me, as like, oh, got to be in worship. Because you know what? It fills me more with the spirit. So when I come out to preach, I'm ready to go. When I'm preaching, I feel his spirit inside of me. When you're doing what you're called to do, you'll feel that spirit welling up and you'll feel his power more and more in you and on you. Be being filled with the spirit. And it's interesting. <laughs> the Lord was showing me, you know, like when people, when, when, when they want to get drunk, they, they never want to do it alone. You know? They go up to the bar and they go, hey, can I buy you a drink? Hey, I'll buy everybody a drink. Come on, everybody come around. Let's do shots together. Why? All of a sudden you want to waste your money now. <laughs> you couldn't get no money out of your pocket all week. Went to McDonald's with you. You wouldn't even buy me a Happy Meal. Now you want to buy the whole bar a shot. Because you want everybody in on it. You want them having the same spirit you're having. That's why they're cold spirits. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> you know. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We want to be filled with that. We want people around us too, don't we? That's why he says sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. To one another. A corporate power. And listen to me, Grace Church. As we study this and we find more of him and we look more into his power, our spirits are going to be jumping to the point where we're all going to look like light bulbs. You know why? Because when power hits resistance, it lights up. And that's another teaching for another day. Number three, this power raises the dead. Matthew 27, 52. It says, the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep raised. And running out of the grave after his resurrection, after the resurrection of Jesus, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Let me tell you something about this whole situation. <laughs> when, when I was t showing my wife this, she was like, oh, my gosh. You know, she was looking at that scripture, and she was like, whoa. Here is what we don't know. How many is many <laughs> of the saints? How many? We just know many, right? <laughs> Deacon Corey, we just know many. Who were they? We don't really know. You know who they were. None of them are named. Where did they go? So graves open, and then after Jesus rises from the dead, there's people who come out of their graves. Somebody's looking at me like right now like, I don't know. I think I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> Listen, I didn't make the pizza like my wife said. I'm just delivering it, okay? I'm just delivering this, but this is the word of God. Well, here's what we do know. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Ezekiel 37, 12 says, therefore prophesy. <laughs> That's how I know it's a prophecy. And say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. Okay, th I, I don't know. This, this sounds pretty similar. Amen? 
and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. We're going to talk a little bit about, more about this, and then we're going to close the service. You know, there are some history books written. You know, it's amazing to me, like, when they put a book in school, everybody reads it and believes every word. It's like there was a Julius Caesar and blah, 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 and everybody just believes, yeah, Brutus stabbed in the back. Okay. But then when we have books that are written by 40 people <laughs> telling the same story, it's like, I don't know. There was really a Jesus, you know. No, they only changed the calendar for him. You, you write 2015, blah, blah, teacher. Hey, what, what, what year is this, uh, young Jimmy? Uh, 2015. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and then they go and study about Ju uh, Julius Caesar or something. 2015 what? 2015 years after Jesus! You know, if that's not true, why'd they change the calendar for it? I mean, if I die and they call it AJ after Joe... <laughs> The new year is the year three. Pastor Joe died three years ago. I don't think so. I mean, it'd be a great honor. So, I mean, talk about Stunad. I want to go Stunad. But you tell the kids to write 2015 every day like it's nothing. So somebody wrote some history about this situation, and three rabbis were walking out of Jerusalem, and it says there was 12,000 of them. Walking around now. I, listen, I'm just, I'm just delivering the pizza. Okay, I don't know if this is true or not, you know, but I'm sure Brutus stabbed Julius Caesar. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. We know this. They were saints. It says they were saints. Were they Old Testament saints? I don't think so. You know why? I think if Moses and David and and all those guys were walking around, I think somebody would have wrote a book about it. I don't know. If Samson started walking around, <laughs> yeah, try to kill that one. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, or it could have been people, the, the word, you know, uh, it could have been people that died, you know, in the time that Jesus' ministry was. Or it could have been just a set-apart few prophets. You know, it's interesting because all the prophets are buried in Jerusalem, and these seem like they were all buried in the outskirts of Jerusalem, not 100% sure. So it could have been prophets. But we do know that they appeared to many. So they were witnesses. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that they became a cloud of witnesses? <laughs> yeah. Let me share something with you. Um, we don't know where they went, right? We don't know if they died again, right, and then, and then went back into the grave. It doesn't say. I don't believe that's what happened. It says that they witnessed and rose and they witnessed and met people in Jerusalem, right, at the time. It says, this, and that verbiage is the same as what Jesus did. Because we know that Jesus rose again and it said he was around. He showed himself to many. At one time, 500 people. And I believe that they were doing the same thing. I believe they had the same glorified body that Jesus did. Yeah, Jesus did have a body. Remember he said you could see the you know you you know we're not necessarily getting a new body, you know. We're getting a glorified raised body. I want some of my hair back, okay? Just a few things. Amen. But um 
I believe they were walking around. And then we don't know where they went, but we know that Jesus and a few angels went up from Bethany and they, and they disappeared into a cloud. Remember? And the angels were looking at the people and they said, why are you staring? The same way he left is the same way he's coming back. <laughs> now listen to this. You, you got a church hat on. You said amen. You are my new favorite, okay? I need you sitting in the front next week. Anyway. Anyway. Where was I? It says he's going to come back. Now we know that it says he's going to come back on the clouds, right? What does it also say in Jude? I talked about this a few weeks ago. It says that he will come back with his what? Saints. Saints. So is it possible that the cloud, in Hebrews 12, it talks about a cloud of martyrs. It says, run your race because there's a cloud of martyrs watching you. Is it possible that when Jesus went up to heaven, this was a cloud of those people that were raised. They went up with him as the first fruits of what's going to come back. And the reason I say first fruits is, let me finish this right here. Now listen, people, this is me, okay? This is what I believe. You know, people could take scriptures and, and different things and interpret them different ways. This is what the Holy Spirit's revealing to me. So take it, study it, and, you know, that's fine. No one has a corner on the truth. But I want to know more. And I want to know that power. You know, when Jesus rose on the day after the Sabbath, I taught you this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he was what? He was the first fruits. Because that Sunday was the wave offering. The offering that says we're acceptable. And Jesus is the offering that says we're acceptable. He's the offering that says we have unlimited access to the power of God. Amen? Do you know that when the sheave offering is waved, it's not one. It's a bunch of them. Now, when these rabbis were going out of Jerusalem that day, that morning, when Jesus was raised and all these other people were raised, they were going out of the city to get the barley sheaves to come back to wave before the Lord. These tombs and caves where these people were raised, they were on the outskirts of the city. So when these guys were going out to get the sheaves, the walking dead who were alive now are walking in to Jerusalem. Could you imagine that? They were like, you know why? You don't have to go out for your offering or your sheaves. It's, it's coming in. And then Jesus and they became the first fruits of offering as they went to heaven. I don't know. I don't know. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Maybe they were the cloud that escorted Jesus to heaven. Because we know one this is one thing we do know. He's coming back with a cloud of his saints to rule and reign on this earth. And we're going to be in the cloud. How many of you want to be in a cloud? I'm sleeping in the cloud. We have a new sleep number bed, and it's like a cloud. But you know the problem with this bed is? She's got a remote. So lately, she's been raising me up and lowering me down. The other day she raised me up so high my nose was almost touching the ceiling. 
fine line between laughing and crying, isn't there? <laughs> well, Grace Church, I want to tell you something. The most important thing is we have unlimited access to this power. This power is an earth-shaking, rock-breaking power. And when this power is released, see, look, the foundation was shaken, the graves were opened, and then they were raised up. As this power, as we, as Christians, as we appropriate this power and release it, those around us that are spiritually dead, their rocky hearts will be opened and God's fear will come in and raise them up. And every seat in this church will be filled. You want revival? We have unlimited access to it. Who's going to hear it? Who's going to believe it? Who's going to release it? That's the question. From now on, when you see me, I am like an electric socket. All right? So you better be careful because I'm fired up. I'm full of God's power, and I'm ready to release it. Are you? Then we'll have some revival around here. Because you know something? We can have the rest of the worship team up here. You know something? Wherever you go, it's in you. And wherever you go, it's on you. So wherever you go, it is there. Where's the power? It's not up there. It's not up there. It's in you. Say, I got the power. But some of you maybe you've never been born again to even have the spirit come in and dwell you. Maybe some of you have been born again and it indwells you, but it's not on you. And we have people here that are going to pray for you to make sure that if the Spirit is in you, that it's on you. Because that comes by the laying on of hands. We know that when the power first came on the apostles, that they went and laid hands on others, and that power went upon, clothed in it. It's not just enough to have it inside you. You need to be covered in it. It needs to be upon you. The way it was upon Samson. The way it was upon David. The way it was upon Solomon. The way it was upon Joseph. Now, back then, it was specific people. Now it's everybody who wants it, who hears it, who believes it. Yeah. You should be a walking power station. That people can just plug into you and be like, ah! I'm healed. Oh, I'm blessed. Amen? Let's just bow our heads right now. I want to make sure everybody here knows Jesus Christ. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and had the Holy Spirit dwell in you, today is the day. Now is the time. It's done by prayer. It's done by hearing and believing. That's how you access this power. That's how you do it. By hearing the gospel, you hear the good news, you believe it. Okay? So when you pray this prayer, believe it. And maybe you've done it 20 other times. It doesn't matter. This is number 21. Maybe you've never done it, done it before and this is your first. But say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross. So I can have unlimited access to forgiveness, to healing, to blessing. He died that I could live. I accept that sacrifice, and I put my faith and trust 
Jesus today. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me brand new. Amen. You said that prayer. Everyone's eyes are closed, head bowed. You said that prayer. You want to make sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You want to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Said that prayer, you meant it. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can put your hands down. Everybody that raised your hand, I need you to do one thing. I need you to stand up right now. Stand up where you are. Stand up. Come on. Don't be afraid. I'm telling you, it's happening now. It's happening now. All right, I need you guys to come forward real quick. Pray for you. Don't be afraid. Come on. Come on. Honey, come on. for them. Everybody else, I want to ask you a question. This guy's face this way. How many of you here have the Spirit in you, but you're not sure if it's on you? Come on. How many of you have the Spirit in you, but you're not sure if it's on you? Okay? I'm going to have to ask you to come forward right now. Come on. Come on. I'm going to have to ask my experience prayer people to, to, to help with that right now and we're going to take them in a moment but I need I need I need my most experienced prayer people here right now you need it to be in you and you need it to be on you this is a power that shakes this is a power that breaks of my prayer team, if you've ever led someone in this prayer to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's who I want praying. I don't want anybody else praying here that has never done that before, okay? Only those of you that have done that before, I need you to pray. For the rest of you, for the rest of you, I want to pray for all of you right now. Because I know some of you may be sick in your body. I know some of you might be going through a financial trial. I know some of you, your marriages are broken and they need fixing or a broken relationship. Right now, Heavenly Father, we are in agreement that your power is released today and will shake what needs to be shook and break what needs to be broken and will raise to dead, raise to life what was dead to life now in your life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, if you need prayer, you are more than welcome to come up here while the worship is going on. You're more than welcome if you need prayer for something. But first and foremost, I need my prayer team who has done this kind of prayer before to come up. These are people that have the Spirit in them, but not necessarily on them. So you are to lead them in a prayer to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. Amen. Now, if you need healing in your body or you're depressed or oppressed, once you hear the music start playing, you are more than welcome to come up for prayer. Amen. But I want you to be in agreement over every person here. 
because we are releasing a power right now that is going to shake and break some things. Amen? So just worship, just worship the Lord.
to what you have to say over those situations right now. Speak through us by your Holy Spirit. Cause your power to rise up inside of us where it counts, not in this building, Lord. But when we leave this place, the 
let your Holy Spirit rise up in us. Rise up. Rise up. Take authority over Hallelujah. This is our house. Yes, God. Yes, God. 